In the holy name of Jesus, amen. The end times within the Christian world are big business. So many seminars, so many books can be read. So many preachers on TV have giant screens where they're showing the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, and how, as we said in our creed just a few minutes ago, Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead. You drive out on I-30 towards Hot Springs, you'll see billboards that say, Jesus is coming, are you prepared? Are you prepared to meet your maker? Others have said on their signs, how do you anticipate spending eternity smoking or non-smoking? We might look at this and say, what really gives? We might be like St. Peter who said in his second epistle today, when is this going to happen? Or is it going to happen? The more things change, the more things stay the same. It doesn't seem like Jesus is coming. But how many of us are truly praying Maranatha, what I just told the kids a few moments ago? Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. It's probably because this day makes you feel a little bit uneasy. I don't know of anybody who finds great joy and comfort in saying that they have a date in court. Or they are getting sued or they're mixed up in a lawsuit. Maybe it's a nasty divorce or something else like this where they have to go in and stand before the judge and plead their case. And yes, they oftentimes have a lawyer, an advocate who tries to defend them, who tries to show where they've been wronged, and yet in the end, it's all up to the judge or maybe even the jury. This is kind of how we look at the day of judgment. He will come again with great glory to judge both the, fear, the living and the dead. And it's good to have some fear, some respect about this. Because you and I will stand before him on the last day. And as we heard from the book of Daniel this morning, the books will be opened for all to see. What have you done with your life? What have you said? What have you thought? What have you done against everyone else? I know as I stand up here today, I certainly have no right to ask that question of you without asking that of me first. I've made a huge mess of things in my life from time to time. I've not done what I'm supposed to be doing. I have not thought what I need to be thinking. I look at those books and I'm terrified just as you might be as well. The law of God tells us that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the glory that will be revealed on the last day. And as God says in the Old Testament, no one may look upon me and my glory and live. So maybe you're hearing this and maybe you're saying, just maybe, I don't want to go to the courtroom. I don't want Jesus to judge the living and the dead. I don't want to stand before him. And when you stand before him and I stand before him, I'm not going to have you next to me or me next to you. We will stand face to face with the creator of the heavens and the earth. And you might look at this and say, <laughs> whatever. That's what Peter's talking about today. They'll scoff at this. They'll say it's not happening. We had 10 years ago, a guy by the name of Harold Camping. Remember him? Maybe not. 
Harold Camping said that in the month of May of 2012, the end of the world was going to happen. And there were all sorts of people who sold all of their home, their investments, gave up everything and bought RVs and campers and went all throughout the country proclaiming that Christ was going to return in May of 2012. Here we are. Over 3,000 days later, still saying, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Harold Camping has passed away. And while there are those who think that they can look at the signs and the times, maybe we even thought during the last two years this might happen. Nonetheless, it is good to be reminded. It's good to be reminded that Christ will come and return and judge the living and the dead. But as I shared a few moments ago with the kids, that day is not a day of complete fear and trembling. That fear and trembling should move us to repentance today, should move us to a change of heart, to a change of ways, and a change of actions. But on that last day, when you and I step into that courtroom of God's holy and righteous judgment, you do not stand there with your neighbor next to you. You stand there with Jesus, who is your advocate and your defender. You stand there with Jesus, whom now God the Father sees in you, and whom God the Father says of you by faith through his grace, well done, good and faithful servant. Come, receive the kingdom of heaven prepared for you since the foundation of the world. The book of Revelation shows us this day of judgment in contrast to the world that we live in. It talks all about the world that we live in being full of sin, death, destruction, tyranny, and everything else around us and how there is a dragon or a beast roaming around trying to deceive the Christians. But interspersed all throughout the book of Revelation are these wondrous visions that John has. We heard about it last week with all saints. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne room of God day and night and serve him in his temple. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore, nor any scorching heat shall touch them. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what judgment day means for you and for me, dear baptized. Christ has paid the price for you. Christ has paid the price for me. All of my filth, all of my disgust, all of my sins in thought, word, and deed are exposed to me and to my heart and for others to see, yes, but Christ has shed his precious blood not only just for me, but for the whole entire world, you as well. And I don't know about you, but what we heard about last week in the book of Revelation, coming out of the tribulation, coming out where there's no hunger or thirst, where there's no scorching heat, every moment of sadness and sorrow is taken away. I kind of like to go there. 
And I'm sure you would too. That's why I told the children just a few moments ago, our fervent prayer should be, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Take us out of this mess. Come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Take us out of the heartaches. Take us out of all the disappointments. Take us out of all of the health problems, the financial problems. Take us out of all the political problems, the division, the hate, the fear. Come Lord Jesus, as I like to say, and take me out of a job. This is what is promised for us. And there's another interesting aspect of our text today that I don't want you to get confused about. On the last day, Jesus says that he will separate the sheep from the goats. And you might sit here today and say, well, a sheep is woolly. A goat has got straight hair. We can tell the difference. But actually, in Jesus' day and age, a lot of the sheep had horns, just like goats do. A lot of them were hard at times to tell apart out in the pasture or out in the field. It wasn't so easy to separate them, and sometimes people made mistakes separating sheep from the goats. This is why we take great comfort that Jesus will be the one who separates the sheep from the goats. He will separate the wheat from the weeds. What does that mean for you sitting in the pews today? There are those of you who believe and receive this, and there are those amongst here who do not. I can't tell, and neither can you. Only Christ can. He knows your heart. He knows whether faith has been worked and is dwelling in you or not. But there's another aspect to our reading today that seems a little confusing. Because Jesus talks about the separating of the sheep from the goats and the pronouncement of his judgment. And he looks at the faithful and says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you came and visited me. Sounds like Jesus is saying today that we are saved by our works. That is not the case. The very first pronouncement that Jesus makes in this reading today is his judgment. If you go back to, Mar to, to Matthew's gospel here today, when Jesus goes and separates the sheep from the goats, the king will say to those to his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom of heaven prepared for you since the foundation of the world. Period. That's God's judgment of you in Christ. That's God's statement to you and to me. Forgive them for they know not what they do, no matter how many times they do it. God looks at you and says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. But you'll notice something else here. The works that follow that glorious gospel pronouncement of salvation. And there might be those who say, like before Jesus, how did we know that you were hungry or clothed, needed clothing? How did we know that you were thirsty? Or how did we know that we were visiting people in prison or whatever else it is? When did we see you in this way? And Jesus says very simply, whatever you did to these, as you did it to one of these of the least of my brothers, so you did it to me. The book of Ephesians says to us 
that God has prepared every good work for you since the foundation of the world. These are prepared in advance that you might walk in them. That you might simply walk in them. If you go out to a state park or a national park, go out the pinnacle and walk around there, you can walk in and amidst the woods and the rocks and everything else, or you can follow the trail or the path that somebody has laid out before you. That is your life of good works. What does that mean? You don't know what you've done and you don't know what you will be doing. But as the book of Revelation also says to us toward the end, as you enter in that judgment seat, your good works will follow you. The good works will be presented as the books are open. And because your name is written in the book of life, all of the glory of God lived out and in and through you for the benefit of others will be looked upon by God as well. None of your sins, none of my sins, none of our destruction, none of my destruction. God will look at you and me and see his son and he will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, great job. All I see here is good. All I see here is righteousness. All I see is my son in you. And so this goes to show us that on the day of judgment, we are evaluated by our works. I know two weeks ago was Reformation. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved by faith. Don't call the Lutheran police on me. But I think in so many ways, we throw out our good works with the bathwater. We say, well, I'm saved and I don't need to do anything. You're saved and now you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can love those who maybe you don't feel like loving. You can forgive those who have done things over and over to you again and you may not feel like forgiving them. You can help the poor, the needy, the homeless, the hungry. You can help the least amongst us, but never to sit there and say, see what I did, God. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. If you are a husband or a wife, a mother, a father, a grandparent, if you are one who is trying to get by day by day, trying to look for the good in your life. If you're one who works in the church or outside of the church or whatever else it is, it does not matter where God has placed you. He has placed you at that point and at that time for his divine and holy purpose. The lives that you live have been paid for by the precious blood of Christ. And now as the blood of Christ washes away all of your sin and gives you that holy and spotless robe, you go out as his salt and light, even when you don't want to, even when I don't want to. And you forgive, you love, and you have mercy on those in this life, not so that God can check you off, making sure you're doing it all right, but that you may be little Christs to others as Christ has loved and shown mercy 
to you. Are you ready? Are you prepared? I love what Luther says. If I knew that the end of the world was going to happen tomorrow, today I would plant an apple tree. You might think about that and say, that doesn't make any sense. What Luther's really saying is, is I'm just going to live life as if things are normal. This is not gloom and doom Sunday. This is the Sunday where we prepare right on the verge of Advent. Yes, two weeks away, where we will once again say, come Lord Jesus, come quickly and bring us our eternal inheritance prepared since the foundation of the world for me and most certainly for you. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.